22, Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed, more than all that their fathers had done. For they had also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins. So the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin also provoked the Lord. These sins provoked the Lord to jealousy because they were essentially sins of idolatry. Israel turned their back on the God who loved and redeemed them, and like an unfaithful spouse, they pursued spiritual adultery with idols. Even today, the sin of idolatry continues to separate God's children from Him. What things in your life draws more attention than God? Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 14 in the book of 1 Kings. Moreover, verse 14, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam, and this is the day. What? Even now. And who is this king that would do this? It would be Baasha. Baasha. You can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning in verse 25 through 32. 1 Kings 15, verse 25 through 32. But Baasha would ultimately kill, um, after this young son of Jeroboam's would die, who was supposed to be king, when he died, then Nadab was put in his place, this other son, Nadab. So he reigned for literally one year or less. And then Baasha, who was not even of the tribe of of the same as, as Jeroboam, he was from the tribe of Issachar, he would kill Nadab before he even had a a chance to really begin, and, um, and then he would kill the remainder of his sons that the word of God would be fulfilled. Now, he didn't do it so that the word of God would be fulfilled. He did it out of his own uh, anger and out of his own wicked heart, but of course, God knows the future, and he can speak as if things have already occurred before they've occurred, and in fact, he can speak even though the person who is committing this issue may not have even heard about it and then has done it, and then they realize, oh my goodness, what I just did fulfilled, you know, maybe afterwards, maybe he heard about it. <laughs> That'd be pretty scary to know that your actions are, are known before, they're, before you do them. I would say that's pretty spooky, don't you? That makes me want to walk a, a good line. It makes me want to walk with the Lord and do the right things so that I don't have to hear those kinds of things. 
But we'll look into more of that in the next coming weeks. But notice in verse 15, the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel. Now, he's not talking about the northern or the southern two tribes. When when we speak of Israel, remember from now on, Israel is the northern ten tribes, also called Ephraim, because Ephraim was the biggest tribe of those northern ten tribes. So you're going to see... When it talks about Israel or Ephraim, it's speaking of the northern ten tribes. And when it speaks of Judah, it's speaking of the northern two, or the southern two tribes, excuse me, Judah and Benjamin. But they're really kind of combined, and most of the time they just say Judah, but they, we all know what that means. Now you know what that means, right? And so, he will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and scatter them abroad beyond the river because they have made their wooden images provoking the Lord to anger. And we know that they would make these wooden images to Asherah, which is a, a female uh, goddess of fertility. And they were these wooden poles that they would erect and they would worship and they would do all kinds of vile, perverse, sexual things. Uh, in those worship services, they would have male prostitutes, sodomites, sodomites, and that's what they did. Detestable things. The reason that God had brought judgment upon the Canaanites were for these very things. And so, is it any surprise that not too many years down the road from this time that God would lead the northern ten tribes into captivity? The Assyrians would come in 722 B.C. and take them all out of the land and then replace them with all kinds of other peoples, Babylonians and Assyrians and all peoples from other lands that they would bring in and populate Samaria. Verse 16, and he will give up Israel because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and who made Israel to sin. It doesn't mean that God gave them up forever, but he did allow them to go into captivity. And that's really what is meant here. So verse 17, then Jeroboam's wife, she arose and she departed and she came to Tirzah. And then she came to the threshold of the house and the child died. So Tirzah is just up the road from Shechem. Uh, a little less than 10 miles. And back in those days, they had well-traveled roads. And there would often be cities along these roads because it made it very easy to visit them. And it would be very natural for that to happen. So directly from Shechem, this important place back in, the, in Genesis, just up the road, less than 10 miles, would be Tirzah. And this is where Jeroboam and his wife, where they lived and where the child was as well. But the child died, and they buried him, verse 18, and all Israel mourned for him. And it says now in verse 19, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he made war and how he reigned, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. The book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Do we have that book today? No, we don't. We have the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah but we do not have the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And don't really don't know why that is, but this is the first time in Scripture that we hear this collection of records uh, of the northern ten tribes, this uh, chronicles of the kings of Israel. This this book or collection of of chronicles has been lost or it hasn't been discovered yet. And probably, and the reason it's not in the canon of Scripture is fairly obvious. Remember, the, the Bible is a book of redemption. It's speaking of the redemption going from you know Adam all the way to Jesus Christ, and then everything following. 
So there's no reason for this to be included in the canon other than for us to have a little more information on those tribes of Israel, you know, the, ten, the northern ten tribes who did all these evil things. God made sure that we had what we needed because when he gave us the Chronicles of Judah, it was for a specific purpose. It was because he wanted to make sure that we understood what was going on in Judah because it was all about Judah. Why is it be all about Judah? Because it would be him that the scepter would never depart from. It would be Judah that David would come through. It would be Judah that ultimately Jesus Christ would come through. And Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, deals mainly with Judah, the kings of Judah. It doesn't talk much about the, the northern ten tribes. It only speaks about Judah and its kings for a good reason, because of what I just said. And it's referred to in other places as well. In 1 Kings 16, verse 14 and 20, this same Chronicles of the Kings of Israel is mentioned. In 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 18, it's mentioned. In 2 Kings 13, verse 8, it's mentioned. In 14, verse 28, it's mentioned. In 15, verse 21, it's mentioned again. And again, um, it's not there for a reason. And even if it were, the Lord may have chose, chosen to not have it part of the canon anyway. Because remember, the Bible is, is a history book, but it's a selective history. It doesn't tell us a great deal about the Egyptians, although it gives us quite a bit. It doesn't tell us what's going on in the Far East. Because this is a God's plan of redemption. But everything in here is accurate to the point. It's accurate. The original scriptures were accurate. The translations, there's little squibbles and problems there, but those are all known and they know what those things are and it doesn't affect doctrine one bit. So it's not necessary. But let's go on to verse 20. So the period that Jeroboam reigned was 22 years and so he rested or he rested with his fathers. Then Nadab, his son, reigned in his place. And we'll, we'll find out more about uh, him uh, next week. But let's go on to verse 21 here, because we're getting close to the end here. And it says that Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. So he reigned even less than Jeroboam did. Jeroboam had three to four, maybe five years uh, after him that he still remained on the throne in the northern ten tribes. Uh, And so he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, Rehoboam did, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Notice his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. Underline the word Ammonitus because that's really interesting. Because who were the strange women that Solomon loved? Were they good girls from Judah? No, they weren't. They were the girls wearing the fishnet stockings over in the uh, other areas. The girls that mom told you to stay away from. Those are the ones that God says, stay away from that. But of course, he has Ammonite women. He has all these different women in his life. And they were all from those areas, the Gentile countries, that God told him not to do it. But his mother was an Ammonitess. And so she was a foreign woman who worshipped uh, false idols. In First Kings chapter eleven, you might want to write this in the margin, right there next to your Bible on this verse. Look, First Kings chapter eleven, verse five. 
Because it tells us that Solomon, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, this other deity, the abomination of the Ammonites. Yes. And who was it? Why did he worship them? Because he had an Ammonite woman. And the product of that relationship was Rehoboam. Now, it's not Rehoboam's fault that he was born from a a union like that because he had every opportunity and God gave him every opportunity to do the right thing. He could have been a great king, but he chose out of his own evil heart to continue doing evil things. Verse 22, Now Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins which they committed, more than all that their fathers had done. For they had also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. And if you go to Israel with us, hopefully, I don't know what the, I I believe we're going to go next year perhaps, but if you do and you're able to go, save your money and go, because everything that we're reading is going to, your eyes are going to be open because in Israel, there's a lot of hills. (laughs) There's a lot of hills and they would worship these false gods up on on these high hills. And we visit some of those places. And notice... They, they worship these wooden images under every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also perverted persons in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Again, doing these abominable things. These perverted people are male sodomite prostitutes. That's what they were doing. So there's really nothing new under the sun, is there? We see that even happening today. So it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. And, the same, and this was the same Pharaoh uh, was the one who gave Jeroboam asylum early on during Solomon's reign. Remember when uh, Jeroboam was running from Solomon because Solomon was going to kill him because Solomon heard that the prophet had told Jeroboam that he was going to take ten of the tribes and Solomon's son would only have two. So what does Solomon do? He makes it known that you're, he's got a contract out on this guy. So what does he do? He takes off to Egypt to Shishak. And so it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem now. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And, and so he saw a weakness now in, in uh, Solomon's son Rehoboam. He saw this weakness, and and certainly he could care less about Rehoboam. He had uh, some relationship with Jeroboam, the king of the northern ten tribes, but as far as the southern two tribes, Rehoboam, the king's like, I could care less. All I want is money. All I want is gold. And it tells us that he gave basically the treasures out of the, out of the, the temple, and he gave those things. He took away everything. He also took away all the gold shields that Solomon had made. Underline that. He took away the gold shields that Solomon had made. And then notice verse 27. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place. Do you see the the difference now in the the quality of the metal? (laughs) There was gold and now there's bronze. Much cheaper. Much cheaper. And it's almost like the Lord is saying... You know, when Solomon, that was the height. 
that was the, the pinnacle of Israel's time. That was their golden 40 years. And I would say that the first 20 years were probably the best. 20 years of just bliss and the kingdom blowing up and, and prosperity and everything else. It's not going to be like that again until Jesus comes back, I believe, in the millennial reign. It, it, that was it. And then after that, that climax of the kingdom, everything just started to fall, started to fall, ultimately until they would go into captivity. And he committed, and um, then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place and committed them to the hands of captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's house. And again, just a lesser kingdom is very obvious from even the lesser metals that were made. It reminds me of Daniel chapter 2. When Daniel uh, interpreted for King Nebuchadnezzar this dream, remember, of the, the, the gold, the head was the head of gold, and then the silver and the bronze, and, and you go through, and each one of those metals is a degradation. It's, it's not as expensive. It's not as valuable. And you see the same thing here, just a degradation of the kingdom. Solomon, that was the pinnacle. And now Rehoboam, much, much less. And then from here it would continue to just fall, fall, fall. But there would be moments, as we'll see as we go through here, that reformer kings like Hezekiah and Josiah and Asa, where they would, they would clean the temple. They would get people back straight and right with God. They would do that. And um, that never happened in the northern ten tribes, but in the southern it did. There were a handful of reformer kings. But in verse 28 now, it says, Whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guards carried him and then brought him back to the guard room. And it says in verse 29, finally, um, Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Do we have that? Yes, we do have that. And you can go into Second uh, Chronicles uh, 12 and 13, or 11 and 12, and you can find a lot more information about Rehoboam. Some of it is similar. Some of it's a little bit different. And notice in verse, 30, in verse 30, And there was always war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. And so Rehoboam rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And his mother name, mother's name again, and, and her name's mentioned here a second time. Naamah and Ammonitus. It's almost like God wants to remind us again, who's his mother? <laughs> and again, it, it wasn't Rehoboam's fault that he had a, a pagan mother. Because Rehoboam could have been a really good man. He could have been a great king. But his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And then Abijam, his son, reigned in his place. So interesting chapter, isn't it? There's a lot there. And, um, but I find it interesting that God is just, uh, again, he's not a respecter. It doesn't matter. And God had his times of rebuke with Saul and with David and with Solomon and now with Jeroboam. And really what an unfortunate thing it is. And yet David would shine above the rest and he would be the benchmark even with his mistakes. You know, be encouraged about that too. You know, sometimes we, we can tend to get down in the mouth and get discouraged when we fall into an area of sin or you've done something that you know is wrong. And I want to encourage you not to stay there. 
because the devil wants to keep you there. He wants to continue to beat you up and keep you on the floor and keep yelling at you. And your flesh is going to be more than happy to accommodate that and even heap it on yourself because we're the, we're the best pity partiers that there are because the devil sometimes doesn't even need to get involved. He's like, oh, he's doing a pretty good job himself. I'm going to leave him alone. But can you imagine the devil condemning you? I mean, the devil himself. Not a demon, but the devil himself. Can you imagine that? Just bringing condemnation upon you. And don't you listen to it, Christian. Because as long as you have breath in your, in your lungs, you have an opportunity with a breath to say, Lord, forgive me. And be restored. Now you may have consequences. You may not. But you may. Depending on the severity of whatever it is. But don't wallow in your pity. And don't allow the devil to keep you down. A righteous man falls down seven times. But he gets right back up again. So as we look at these kings, let it be a warning to us that regardless of their names, regardless of how big and influential they are, we are all cut of the same cloth. If we're not careful, we can fall into the same things. Because just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're sinless. It doesn't mean that we're without sin. It means that we're forgiven. It means that our sins have been forgiven. And especially when we confess them. And so let's be faithful to do that. Confess your sins. Every single day, when your head hits the pillows, the things that you remember, it's good to come before the Lord and to say, Lord, forgive me. And he's like, I forgive you. I know you know what that was. I know know that you know that what you did was wrong. And I forgive you. We do that tonight and be free. Because there's nothing worse than a Christian who's walking around in condemnation. The the world will look at you and they'll think, where is the victory? So walk in newness of life. Confess and walk in newness of life. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? I know it's warm and we're probably ready for the air conditioning or something to come on. But Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this uh, tour through First uh, Kings 14. And Lord, just for the lessons uh, and the, the warnings that we see there. Lord, may we be those people that, Lord, we don't allow your word just to go in our ear and, and to go out the other side, Lord. May we treat tonight what we've read. Lord, help us to reread it again. Maybe even listen to it again. And, and really look at it, Lord, and, and be honest. And let it warn us. In, a, in such a wonderful way, Lord, that you care for us, that you repeat yourself often, Lord. Would you keep us, Lord? Keep us in your tender care, and Lord, deliver any of my brothers and sisters here tonight that are struggling with condemnation of any kind. Lord, condemnation only tears us from you, but, but conviction brings us to you, Lord. And if it's to you, Lord, you're going to sustain us No matter how much stuff we've got to look at, Lord, you're going to continue to encourage and love us. Would you please do that work in us tonight, Lord, that no child of God in this room or an earshot of this message would feel condemned and walk away from you, Lord, but they would rather get on their knees, confess and be restored and know that for sure because that is the truth, Lord. We love you 
and we thank you. And we praise you that you died to give us these blessings and this great, great thing, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.